Hi, I'd like to welcome everybody to the latest Denny Artachi podcast. You know, I have to apologize. It's It's been probably a month or so since my last podcast. Uh, I've been traveling, working on some things. And um, today I thought it was interesting to, I did an interview with Peter Nielsen, who's a chartered financial analyst with uh, Independent Solutions. Peter is an unbelievable uh his experience, he has over 30 years working with institutional investors, uh, pension funds, mutual funds, high net worth individuals. And uh, I had to edit it because, you know, he's at such a high level. I wanted to have the message to, to normal investors that are out there. And I think most economists right now are predicting a soft landing in 2023. They don't see that inflation is going to continue the way it is. Peter definitely sees a lot of uh, opportunity in this interest rate market, as I do. I mean, if you look at the fact that you can buy fixed fixed rates, uh, you know, yielding 3.6% for two years, and I think I saw a three-year fixed rate of, of 430 or something to that effect that a couple of years ago, uh, that would have been unheard of, even as recently as a year ago. But he, he thinks there's a lot of opportunity in the market. Peter uh, manages different portfolios for independent solutions. And uh, he has a Master of Business from the degree of Simon Fraser University, a Bachelor of Business from Trinity Western University. He sits on a board of uh, Chartered Financial Analysts uh, Society for South Carolina. I mean, I could keep reading his accolades. And he's also an adjunct professor of finance at Anderson University. But uh, we were talking about rates and how things are. And again, I think the consensus is that we should see a soft landing in 2023, but there's certainly some opportunities. So I had to edit back and forth because when he started going into some of his charts and the micros, uh, he even lost me, but uh, he's a great resource. He has different portfolios with independent solutions. He manages a momentum portfolio, which is pretty interesting because it, 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 it generally uses low-cost ETFs and those type of vehicles that, that generate momentum. And uh, typically, as something falls out of favor, they get out of the positions and go into cash. This is just one of the things that he does. He partners up with Paul Meeks as well. They have equity income portfolios and preferred dividend types of investments. But anyway, enough of that. I hope you enjoy and listen carefully because Peter definitely has a lot to share. and. Um, here he is, Peter Nielsen, ladies and gentlemen. Tolerance. Do you see the, uh, the stock market uh, continuing to go down? Do you see it leveling off? And what do you think, uh, this is a lot to go on for next year, because we obviously have a midterm election, which could affect a lot of things. I think if, they, if we see some flipping of the House and possibly the Senate, we may have gridlock, in which case nothing will be solved for the next two years, which is typically good for stock markets. But what do you see both the, the, the equities market, monetary policy, GDP growth and the overall economy from now until next year? Okay, well, that's a lot. But uh, look, this is this year, uh, early in the year, it was made very apparent and it made a lot of headlines how interest rate sensitive the stock market was. Interest rates, you know, treasury yields would go up, the stock market would go down. And what we did 
early in the year or I'll run mid year is, is we regressed uh, uh, interest rates to um, S&P 500 levels and the relationship was actually amazingly strong. So you, you could actually get a pretty good indication of where the S&P 500 uh, was just by looking at, at the level of interest rates. And uh, we actually had, if you remember from about mid-June through to the end of July, we actually had a stock market rally. And that was coincident with a decline in, in interest rates as investors were kind of getting ahead of their skis, uh, you know, as far as their expectations for declining inflation. And, um, and now, of course, that's reversed course and markets have now then again declined. Uh, we're still about 5% above where we were at the uh, mid-June low. But, um, you know, interest rates are just higher. And uh, all things being equal, if interest rates continue to climb, we would expect, uh, based on that relationship that we mapped out, uh, we would expect further declines in uh, stock markets. That, that's what the data is showing us. As far as Fed policy, um, like I say, it's, it's, it's easy to talk brave when uh, you have a super hot labor market, inflation super high, and uh, and you're still expecting a soft landing in 2023. Now, uh, it's, it's a different story when we fast forward a few months uh, as far as what the Fed messages, because if, if the labor market starts to struggle and inflation's falling, well, number one, falling inflation mitigates the need for super you know, heavy-handed Fed policy. It just does. The, the Fed is primarily concerned about inflation. Uh, consensus estimates have inflation falling close to 2% by the end of the year next year. Um, we model something similar, uh, but we, re re we realize there is a lot of risk to our model. There's just some a lot of stuff you, you don't know. It's, it's hard to- There was speculation to... early on that feds would be very tight. They'd be raising rates and possibly lower them next year as the economy did cool off. Mm -hmm. And you're right. And, and uh, people seem to forget that the market doesn't trade for the now. It trades for what they anticipate 12 to 18 months down the road and, and, right. and so forth. So, yes, guessing what the Fed's going to do is like, I don't know, going to Vegas sometimes. Yeah. But so the consensus was that Feds could actually lower rates next year as we see some cooling. So mm -hmm. the consensus on the street is that maybe we'll see a 2% cooling off from where we are now by the first quarter of next year? Well, so, so if you're looking at consensus estimates and Fed funds futures, the futures market is expecting the Fed to get to four and three quarters and keep it there for most of the year before cutting rates slightly at, towards the end of the year. But the, so, so that's not very encouraging, but the interesting thing is when you look at the implied probabilities of all those moves, there's a lot of conviction for the next, three Fed, rate, Fed meetings. After that, the probabilities fall off a cliff. So they're very low. And uh, so there's not a lot of conviction in the fixed income markets about what's going to happen beyond the next three months. Well, obviously, if we see inflation dropping, that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's important for listeners to recognize. So here we have a 20-year treasury. In, in theory, there's, there's a market expectation for uh, this should have the 
estimate an annual inflation rate over the next 20 years. You know, so near term is high, long term is low, but there's an inflation premium in there. If inflation premiums are falling, just inflation premiums alone, we would expect these yields to fall. And that uh, implies that uh, long-term uh, bond investors would get like a capital gain essentially along the way as, as those bonds appreciate in price. So we think some of the uh, risks to fixed income investors are actually mitigated because of the environment we're in. We're, we're in a falling inflation environment. Um, and uh, given that it seems like, uh, it seems like that's playing out it does mitigate the risk to fixed income investors to some degree. But I guess we're all expecting a soft landing sometime next year. We're all expecting inflation mm -hmm. to cool off, or at yeah. least we're hoping. Yeah. We're hoping for monetary policy to be eased. Yeah. And uh, some kind of recovery in the equities market. I think that's what we're all hoping for. Yeah. Whether or not it happens, is yet to be seen, and but I agree with you. It's really going to be based on inflation more than anything. Yeah, this is all about inflation. Yeah, and this is uh, definitely all about inflation. And if if we can get to, let's go back to that slide. If we can get back to a point where inflation starts it's uh, uh, a pretty steep decline into 2023, uh, markets will be cheering that. Um, of course, it, you know, uh, that remains to be seen, but, uh, that, that's really what we're hoping for. So when we model inflation, we model it, um, these are simple models based on different scenarios of 4% run rate, 3% run rate, 2% run rate. And we don't have actually in our very simple model, which actually lines up by coincidence, very close to consensus. When we look at our, our model, it, it, we don't have inflation falling a heck of a lot in, into over the next two months. But beyond that, it does seem like inflation starts heading lower pretty quickly. So we do expect inflation to fall pretty quickly in 2023. Uh, now, what could go wrong? Inflation could be stickier than uh, we expect or we model, and that's, that's an issue. Uh, you, you, you do have a democratic uh, Congress and president. Uh, so they're all for fiscal stimulus. You can get that. We could get, we could get another supply side shock an energy shock or something of that nature. Those are all things that could upset the apple cart. But uh, based on, you know, prior baselines and, and you're probably right, I should probably put, uh, uh, you know, 20, 1979 in there. Uh, but uh, based on prior baselines, we're we're really trending according to uh, uh, you know the historical average. So hopefully it continues and we see a sharp decrease in inflation in the coming months. The the well, interesting yeah. thing is that um, Fed funds rate uh, is uh, what is it uh, three and a quarter, right? But the two year yield is something like you know four point two percent. Exactly, that's crazy. Uh, so the market's already priced in future Fed funds rate hikes. You're telling me you get a two-year two yield and they're going to yeah. pay you 4%. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if you would have told me that two years ago, I'd ask you to pee in the cup, okay? <laughs> I mean, think about that because the 10-year the treasury yeah. 
got like two years ago was around 0.6 percent and now uh, the two-year note yeah is paying four <laughs> percent yeah a, a, a year ago i think the yield on the two-year treasury was 0.3 yeah so you, you basically got nothing uh, and now uh you're, you're getting a lot so, so what is the risk let's say an investor buys that two-year note and it's paying four percent what's the risk the the fed rates not a lot yeah. right well i mean it's an opportunity cost i mean it's not really a uh okay let's say a year out he has to sell the paper and, and the yield on that paper went from four to five percent or something crazy like this and even that's that's really dubious because nobody really expects the fed to really keep rates super high for that long yeah anyway um yeah you you'll be selling the paper at a loss a small loss yeah so it, there's not a lot of risk in my opinion, but there's always look, there's always risk when you're dealing with uh, financial assets. Uh, mind you, if you're willing to hold that paper to maturity, that's your yield. You're going to get four percent and four percent yield so this the, year and next year. So the difference will be is what did you buy it at? And obviously, if rates spike, what you bought it at is going to be less. So you have to factor that in as well. So the question well, then becomes how much less would it be another rate hike or two? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. So so the way I would think about it is uh, if I buy it now, I can make 4.2% or whatever it is. If I buy it in February, maybe I make 4.5%. Uh, maybe not, though. So it's an opportunity cost. I, I can make 4.2% now, or I might be able to get more later. But there's no guarantee that you can get more later. That, that, that's like these are risk assets we're dealing with. I mean, so, the, rea the reality also is there is speculation because Colin Powell has to talk tough right now, right? He has <laughs> to talk tough. But if yes. things do change and the economy does, because right now the economy is strong, right? The wage market is strong, right? Yeah. But if that changes next year and we do see some of the recession fears come to fruition, He's going to have to slow his roll down, and that's going to affect things as well, correct? Yeah, I, I think you're dead on the money there. Uh, you know, it's easy to talk tough when the labor market's super strong, inflation's high, and the economy's humming along. It's harder to talk tough when the economy's stumbling, uh, the unemployment rate's rising, and inflation's falling. You know, yeah, you, you would expect a different message from the Fed then. And, and that's been his way, too. Not to knock Chairman Powell too much, but in in 2018, he fully intended to raise the Fed funds rate and keep it up because he wanted to have like dry powder in case something happened. And then, of course, the economy stumbled, uh, markets crashed, and in 2019, a reverse course. So it's not like he hasn't done before. Anyway, the pandemic came in 2020, and that just um, I have felt even before the pandemic that rates were held artificially low because they were afraid of stumbling the economy, right? They, they, were, they were afraid mm -hmm. of, of stopping the growth somehow. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, think that's, uh, I think that's part of the problem. You know, the Fed's been far too activist for over a decade. I think it really needs to find that market level of uh, a rate of interest and just, leave, and, and just try to leave it there as much as conditions allow. I mean, the market rate of interest or the so-called neutral rate of interest is always changing. So, but, you know, 
that, that that's the ideal, isn't it? it? It is to have that market neutral rate of interest uh, be kind of like the base. Anyway, do you mind if I share my screen? Please do, because I think what a lot of listeners are curious or interested in is because rates have gone high, now fixed accounts, fixed rates, and even bonds are becoming more attractive for those who are, are kind of on the fence, sitting on cash, don't want to take the potential 20% further market correction. Because um, I don't think the world's coming to an end, but I certainly don't believe we've hit bottom as of yet. And I, and I know maybe a tenth of what you know from a macro standpoint. So by all means, you see opportunities in this current market with the way rates are, don't you? Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. This has been a very interest rate sensitive market. So as interest rates have risen, uh, stock markets have declined, but so have fixed income markets. And uh, are, is the Fed finished hiking rates? No, it's not. But if you're an investor that's committed to holding uh, you know, an investment for, I don't know, four years, five years, you can lock in a yield that to me, uh, that strikes me as attractive. And I think over the medium term, that is over say 12 months or longer, some of those rising risks or uh, rate risks are mitigated because what happens is when inflation declines, when economic growth slows, which is generally the outlook everybody has, uh, yields tend to fall. They have always fall. They've always fallen when uh, inflation declines and uh, growth slows. That, that, that's general overall uh, macro tendency as far as treasury yields. But let's let's just get into our presentation. And, and on, that, on that point, I just want to add, because of monetary policy, people are spending less which will affect corporate profits, mm -hmm. will affect uh, the rates, because you know, if they're borrowing less, but, but yes, please, uh, you, you're starting off here with the income opportunities and the key issue is indeed inflation. Correct, this is all about inflation, 100%. Uh, if we didn't have an inflation problem, the Fed wouldn't be hiking as aggressively as it is. If we didn't have uh, the Fed hiking rates aggressively, we wouldn't be concerned about economic growth and so forth. So the Fed's preferred measure of inflation is something called the core PCE price index. It's akin to the core CPI index. So the CPI is, is, is what we think of when we think of inflation. And then, then they have this core measure that strips up volatile food and energy. While the core PCE index it is, is akin to the core CPI index, it also strips out food and energy. And, uh, and so the Fed uh, sees this as a more complete measure of uh, inflationary trends. What I did is I calculated the three-month annualized rate. And you see that short-term uh, inflation momentum is basically on the decline. And so the momentum behind PC inflation, the Fed's favorite policy measure, it's weakening pretty quickly. So that's that's interesting. Uh, it's, it's hard not, because people the last the last they noted was eight point three percent, which was essentially flat from the month before. Yeah, uh, because look, eight percent inflation is, is is that's not great. But no. I'm glad that it's not spiking. It's not eight and a half to nine percent. So you're. 
you're saying to all the listeners out there that according to your anal analysis, it's actually cooling off the inflation in the last three months. Yes. Yeah, the, the momentum behind inflation is absolutely cooling off. Um, you know, inflation never goes down in a straight line and uh, that's not happening this time either. So the issue last time was month-to-month uh, -month inflation actually ticked up by uh, 0.6%. And, and there's just noise in the uh, price numbers. Uh, and that's what you see. And of course, everybody freaked out about it. But when you look at uh, the three-month annualized rate, uh, you're actually seeing uh, a decline in uh, inflation momentum. So here, here's another indicator. I think this is the reason I think people are freaking out is because... Uh, as soon as like last year, inflation was still around 2%. So how did we go from two to eight? It no. didn't happen overnight. It, it seemed to have gradually kept picking up momentum uh, part of last year and going into the beginning of this year. Yeah, momentum is a key word there. Um, so you recall about a year ago, we had all those new, all those stories of, uh, of uh, uh, container ships uh, you know, backed up in the you know, offshore, uh, off the coast of uh, Long Beach in LA, the ports of Long Beach in LA, they couldn't get their cargoes in and uh, their supply chain backlogs were, um, you know, various parts of the manufacturing supply chain couldn't get parts to complete even their interim, you know, intermediate goods, let alone finished goods. So, uh, you know, those stories seem to have, uh, been falling by the wayside. We don't hear about uh, supply chain pressures much anymore. It's still elevated. This is uh, this is a New York Fed supply chain uh, pressure index. It's basically trying to measure supply chain bottlenecks. And you can see, this is to August, and you can see how quickly the supply chain pressures uh, have fallen. Now they're still high, but they're not nearly as high as they were say a year ago. And they're falling quickly. So, it, you know, supply-driven factors uh, will help pull an overall inflation lower. Um, but there's inertia, right? And we've seen that. There's a lot of inertia with inflation. And even though uh, those stories started coming out in the fall of 2021 and into uh, spring of 2023, 2022, pardon me, you still saw inflation rise through to June, uh, peak out in June at 9.1% before it started falling. So, so that's um, what I'm saying. Yes, within this year particularly, it seemed like inflation was on steroids. Yeah. Because I think uh, most of last year was still somewhere around 2% officially. Um, uh, yeah, 2.5%. Yeah, something like in, that. In the, in the twos. So now yeah. that I, I never thought that we would say, wow, what a breath of relief. We're only at 8.3% inflation. When, when it was down for so long, I think... Part of the problem was some of the bills that they passed and all the stimulus that they were putting out there because of COVID. And uh, that certainly didn't help the inflation part. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, there, there was a demand side to it. Uh, so you had, uh, because of COVID lockdowns and uh, even the period where we're coming out of lockdowns, you had uh, the economy producing less than it had in the past. At the same time, we were pumping, you know, trillions of dollars of fiscal stimulus into it. Of course, it's going to have an inflationary impact. Uh, but the good news is that 
fiscal stimulus is wearing off. There's very little of it in the economy. There is some, but there's very little of it uh, relative to what we saw. Even yeah, because ago. people have spent it already. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. I, I actually know a family that pooled their money together and went out and bought a boat. So they, <laughs> yeah, that, they pooled that, their <laughs> fiscal stimulus stimulus checks together, went out and bought a boat. Anyway, okay. So, so, so obviously, like we said earlier, avoid high yields at any cost. It doesn't matter if it looks like a great bargain. It's not going to help you out at this point in the credit cycle or the business cycle. So uh, just looking at uh, uh, fidelity data for uh, bond yields uh, this morning. Uh, so we have uh, yields one through 30 years, U.S. Treasury agency, corporates, munis, and, and then uh, tax equivalent yields on these munis. So as far as investment positioning, if you're looking just to get lock in a yield for a few years, we think there's opportunities. So number one, it's important to note that bond yields actually tend to fall when inflation falls and when economic growth falls. And I think we said that earlier. So that mitigates some of the interest rate risk, we think. The second is uh, we would favor, of course, high quality bonds. So US Treasury bonds, high quality investment corporates and municipal bonds, if you're a taxable investor. Um, so uh, we think that investment grade uh, bonds will mitigate uh, some of the spread winding because balance sheets are so much stronger now than they were say even 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, after the financial crisis, a lot of corporate treasury departments, they learned their lesson and even how the capital stack, as they call it, like the the term structure of the corporate debt is termed out, yeah, mitigates risk to the investor. There's not a lot of companies that are going to have to refinance like half their debt in the next year. That, that they're they're just they've just been very a lot smarter about how they take how do they manage their balance sheets than they were a decade ago. Uh, and we we think uh, just looking at the table, we think there's good opportunities here just based on notional yield. Assuming you're gonna hold a maturity, you would get a 5% annualized yield. Every year you earn 5% by owning a five-year agency. Uh, and we would uh, we would avoid the AAA just because we don't think yields are high enough, but for AA, uh, single A, and if you're, uh, uh, you know, if you stomach the risk, the triple Bs, we see yields between five and seven percent, uh, four to five. So these are, these are. Let's assume you're buying that four-year triple B bond. You would be earning a seven point four percent before fees, seven point four percent annual return till maturity for the next four years. You'd be earning that. Um, the other thing we like is munis. Uh, Three point two. 8% doesn't seem like a lot, but if we adjust that for, say, a 35% federal tax rate, that's actually an equivalent uh, on a taxable basis. That's actually equivalent of earning 5% per year for the next four years. If we go to single A munis, that 4.1% is like earning 6.3%. I mean, the municipal bonds for taxable investors, municipal bonds are very attractive right now. Uh, Peter, because of the yields, are are we able to buy those below par right now? 
and even though they'll mature at par in five years? Uh, some of them, it, it, it depends, right? So uh, let's say the benchmark rate of interest is 4%. So if the coupon on that bond is 7%, so it's higher than the benchmark rate of interest, to, in order to bid it down to that benchmark rate of interest, you'll have to pay a premium. If it's below 4%, if the coupon on the bond, the stated interest rate on the bond is below 4%, uh, then, uh, then you can buy it at a discount. So it's, it's really a function of two things, where benchmark rates are, interest rates are, and, where, uh, and how big the coupon is. So it, it, let's say, let's take this uh, AA corporate, it's 5%. So the benchmark rate of interest is 5%. If we have a bond that has a 7% coupon, you would still pay a premium for that bond. So it doesn't mean you're not, it doesn't mean you're not making 5%. It just means you're, you're making 5% over the life of the bond. You know, uh, you know, your annualized yield, assuming you amortize your, your premium that you paid, which is an accounting artifact, I know, but you're, you're essentially making 5% every year for the life of, for the next five years, even though it's got a 7% coupon because you have to pay a premium. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay, perfect. And, and I, th I think that's kind of it, but we have this uh, disclosure slide that tells uh, the world that the, these are my opinions and not independent solutions. And That's right. If you want to sue anybody for misinformation, it's Peter Nielsen and Paul Meeks, ladies and gentlemen, not Dan yes. Arcachi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, I, I forgot to take Paul's name off there. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's going to uh, love that you, you kept his name on that. Uh, yeah. I think here's the thing. This is all good technical stuff to know, but I think most investors are scratching their heads. They're, they're, they're looking for cover. They, they don't know quite. You have the recession fears. You have um, the stock market, you know, correcting even further fears. And I think investors are looking perhaps, you can never time the market. And I try and tell them, if you're in the equity market, you better have at least a 10-year horizon. Otherwise, you probably should not be in the equities market mm -hmm. because at any given decade, we typically have a couple of years that are down. How far down you are is how well you're allocated on your risk tolerance you have. You don't Do you see you know, going to next year that, um, that we're going to remain in the state that we are now. And hope God, God, I hope that's true because... If inflation is not under check, we are going to hit the brakes hard. We are going to see a recession and all kinds of bad oh, yeah. things, which people forget we've had such a long bull market. This is typically a natural progression of everything. We can't always have up years. Yeah, you just don't usually see the Fed as aggressive as it is. So like as you're probably aware, the Fed, the Fed policy hits the economy with a lag. And so they've pushed through big rate hike after big rate hike without really assessing what its impact is. The long-term impact. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's really hard, right? So you're, 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 you're the chairman of the Federal Reserve and you get your economists to forecast what financial conditions in the economy looks like 12 months out, absent any policy uh, decision from you. And then you start thinking about, well, what if we do this? What do things look like 12 months out? The problem right now, Denny, is the Fed seems a little backward looking. 
they're, they're really mostly just concerned about what inflation is doing today rather than what financial, what financial ramifications are 12 months out. Probably, Peter, it's probably because it seems overnight we went from two and a half to where we are. Yeah. Not in a long period of time. We're talking a year. That's, well, that's, that, that, that's and, exactly it, right? And, 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 you know, and I see it when I go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. uh, the package that cost me $5 a year ago is $11 now. Yeah. That is, they can tell me what the rate is all day, all day that they want on a CPI index. But when I go buy things, and that's not just groceries, it's uh, anything you buy, including cars. That's where consumers are seeing a huge hit. And they're just wondering if it's going to continue. I, it, it, so you say that the, there's been very few times that the Fed's been disaggressive, truly. Uh, I, I, can, I can't even cite a single incident where it's been disaggressive. So even during Volcker's uh, time, he didn't hike rates this fast. You know, I get, like a, a percentage change in rates didn't hike and increase this fast. So. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, and and when you hear them talk, it's all about yeah. You know, we need confirmation that inflation is coming down. These guys have like the world's best economists under one roof, and some of that data I, I showed you, like that uh, supply chain backlog index, uh, th that's a federal. That was a New York Fed that put that together. Um, yeah, you know, a, a lot of their indicators uh, that I use are Federal Reserve indicators, and like. Everything is pointing to a lower inflation. That's what it's pointing to. And, and yet here, all they're talking about is what inflation is doing today. And I have a real problem with that. I don't like being a critic of the Fed because I think a lot of criticisms are misguided. But like this, this Fed right now, like it just seems cavalier. And um, well, you mentioned the supply chain issue. They're not talking about it anymore. I can remember about a year ago, it was a serious problem. We had boats yeah. and ducks. It was a pileup. They couldn't get stuff. So that has been resolved for the most part now? Uh, for the most part, it's still an issue. but Because uh, that, of course, is going to make prices go through the roof. Yeah. So, so, you know, Ford came out and said, yeah, we, we couldn't manufacture as many cars as, as uh, we wanted uh, because we didn't have parts. You know, it, anyway, when they were pressed, it turned out that you know, one of the parts they didn't have were, were the little oval badges that said four on them <laughs> they didn't have enough you know like uh those ford emblems to stick on the cars i mean so so yeah so look that's a good still... reason to hold up production i mean uh... <laughs> well you don't want to pump out cars that don't have your name on them right but uh yeah it, it, it's uh yeah it, it it's it just seems like the fed uh you're right supply chain issues are are getting better week by week by week they're still out there but they're getting better all the time um you know are there things that can happen like i guess china could invade taiwan you know like i don't yeah. know yeah uh, this war this war in ukraine could escalate even yeah. further yeah there, like there are some... and then what happens you know but but in 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 the grand scheme of things again if you look at the fact that we had one of the greatest bull markets it's not totally out of line that we have a corrective year or two because nothing goes straight up i don't i don't i don't know necessarily that we're in a bubble right now like we had in 2008 or we had in 2000 mm -hmm. 
But, um, I mean, nothing can keep going straight up. The economy has to slow up eventually. Growth, and, and I think the mon monetary uh, uh, policy has caused people to spend less, which I never got how spending money frivolously was great for the economy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where people go into debt and they mortgage yeah. your house and they're buying, oh, that's great, and money's flowing. So, I, you know, people are spending less. They're being more frugal as well as they should be. And we're, things are slowing down. Now, do we stay this way? I don't think so. I mean, inflation can't keep rearing its yeah. ugly head forever. Well, well you, you know what's not talked about is even if inflation drops to zero tomorrow, like, like it goes from 8% to zero, and, and, and it stays at zero for like next five, 10 years, you're still seeing an American consumer that has had their standard of living they, I wouldn't say permanently impaired, but impaired for years. It'll take years of income growth above the rate of in inflation to allow the average American to have the same standard of living he had before this all started. You know, like it, people really took it on the chin. And I mean, some people are more susceptible to inflation than others. Like I work from home, so my inflation rate is probably lower than yours. Because I, I don't burn up a lot of fuel every day going to and fro. I grocery groceries twice a week and I play golf once a week. You know, my inflation rate's pretty low. Uh, but uh, somebody who's got a long commute, uh, whose wife shops at the grocery store for a large family and so forth, they probably, their inflation rate's probably not 8%. Their pro inflation rate's probably 15%. You know, absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. So, so it, it's, you know, people have really taken a long-term hit to their standard of living, and it will take years to recover. Yeah. And it happened so quickly, Peter. It did. It did. It, it, and nobody talks about it. Uh, you know, political, political, you know, kings that, you know, they, they try to, they don't want to talk about inflation too much because it's, it makes them uncomfortable. It's not very, you know, politically expedient. But honestly, a real leader would say, yeah. This is horrible, and we're going to try to we're going to try to set up a situation where we can help uh, America recover from this. It's going to take some time. That would be real leadership. I but think I'm the middle class here. is is the one that's taking it on the chin, like you're saying, yeah. and that that's a you, you are spot on there. I wish they would talk more about. I think unfortunately, inflation is being played off right now. Like, hey, it's not a big deal, you know. Eh, it's, yeah. it's been about the same. But I think you're right. It's going to take the average family years to recuperate from this and realize that their standard of living has been compromised. Yeah. I think yeah. the ultra wealthy or the ultra poor, not really going to affect them as much. It's middle class. Yeah. The, yeah. Like you say, well, the, 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 the family that has to buy the groceries for the large family, the ones who have to commute, the cost of gas, the, the cost of consumer goods. Mm -hmm. um, that's who it's going to affect most, the middle class. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's a real tragedy, you know. Like, uh, I know they're spending money now on on vacations and travel and stuff like that, but let's see what that looks like two years out. <laughs> yeah, I you don't. Know, like, I I haven't gone on a vacation in a while, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I, Memphis, you're going to Memphis. That's not a vacation. That's to compete. I'm going to be working and seeing about. Um, you know, competing and, and doing something musically, but uh, yeah, 
you know, it's always good to talk about it. And uh, I'm going to, I want to edit this uh, for the consumers and have it on the podcast. Okay. Always great talking to you, my friend. And yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, gr- I'm glad I could help. And uh, anyway, good luck with the, like, I, I was thinking, you know, as much as you're considering it work and so forth, like, you're, okay, you have to haul all your equipment and so forth. <laughs> and you're, you're your own roadie, you know, uh, you, you don't have roadies, right? So, so uh, you know, hauling, hauling the drums and, you know, amps and all that, that's kind of a hassle. But um, I don't know. You're, you're still on stage. You're still doing what you love. I know. I'm not asking someone to do something that's in their best interest and watch them procrastinate and chase them down. Yes, you're yeah. right. It's yeah. not the same. So did, did I ever tell I, you I was I, I was in a band way 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 back when I had hair down in my collar <laughs> when I had hair and, and I played bass and uh, our, our drummer had visions of grandeur. We, we were just like your average band, right? And we'd learn like three four songs and learn them super well and play them. And that's what we would do. And, and anyway, so the the drummer who had these visions of stardom. He, uh, he got us a gig at something, this is in Vancouver, BC, at something called the African Caribbean Festival. I, I had never oh. heard of it. So uh, I asked him, I, I, I said, where is it? It's in Oppenheimer Park. Well, Oppenheimer Park is this, this big park that's kind of out of the way a little ways mm-hmm. in, in Eastern, East Vancouver, you know, a little poor area town. Anyway, so I said, okay. So I, I figured a couple hundred people, you know, we play our songs and then we'd leave anyway uh there was like ten thousand people there <laughs> and, and and the stage was was you know there was speaker stacks massive speaker stacks on either side of the stage uh and we got up there played our songs i i can tell you denny i'm so nervous my fingers are hard at work uh, <laughs> we sucked <laughs> well hey i think we should revisit this uh, by the next quarter, always love to talk to you and Paul Meeks and everyone at Independent Solutions. Uh, you have a great team, lots of experience. No one has a crystal ball. You know, we we try and work for our clients with good batting averages and never try and predict the top or the bottom of, of, of any particular market. And I think it really is a good time for investors to consider maybe some of these fixed income strategies to be part of their portfolio. I wouldn't say uh, give up everything you're doing, but I think there's a lot of people sitting on cash right now that could take advantage of some of these yields. And I know people are waiting for the uh, the world to come to an end or a steep bottom, and then they're gonna step in and buy. But I, I like what you said earlier that you wouldn't maybe buy everything now. You, you piecemeal it, buy a little bit this quarter, a little bit next quarter get a good uh, cost average involved. And, and, and to all the regular consumers, remember the market is trading for what it anticipates next year, not next month. Uh, I know it gets all the, the headlines, <laughs> but markets typically trade for next year and beyond. Yeah, markets are anticipatory. They're looking ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're not looking <laughs> for the next two months. And that's the interesting thing. If you look at the market's estimate for the bond market's estimate for what inflation is going to do, the bond market's pricing in about 2.3% inflation. So, um, you know, I, I think that's important to point out is, is the market itself is pricing in lower inflation. It doesn't mean the market's correct. 
but it, it certainly gives credibility to some of the forecasts we're seeing out there. And, and if they're wrong, obviously bond portfolios will will suffer greatly because the longer you go out, the uh, the principles will be hit hard. Yeah. If they're factoring in only two and a half and inflation stays above six or 7%, that's a bet that's gonna cost them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, uh, if, if we get inflation wrong, uh, it, it upends a lot of things. So that, that's a risk, but like I say, you know, the, the bond market itself is forecasting a war inflation as our consensus, uh, the economic, the, the, the economists from uh, uh, big global institutions. So uh, we take some heart in that. Great. So, hey, maybe happy days or we'll be here again soon. Always a pleasure, Peter Nielsen. Thank you. And uh, how's the guitar playing coming along? Oh, learn how to play a very nice uh, arrangement of Georgia on my mind by uh, a nice Swedish uh, uh, composer. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it just very, it really captures the bluesy elements of, uh, of Hoagie Carmichael's original. See, see, people don't know that you and Paul Meeks are into music, you know, like I am. And uh, matter of fact, I'm getting ready to compete again to go back to Memphis, uh, this coming Sunday is a, a competition. I hope I do well, but uh, it's good. You know, it, it can't just be all about numbers and dollars and cents. Yeah. You'd go crazy. Uh, yeah, there's a beautiful life to be lived. Right? <laughs> yes, there is. Always a pleasure, Peter Nielsen. I'll see you next time. And uh, let's see, late. Let's see what it looks like in next quarter, okay? Yeah, sounds like a great idea. All right, have a good one, my friend. Well, I hope you got something out of it. And of course, if you'd like to know more, the office line is 561-537-5897. So um, it's a great time to get with your professional. Look at what you're doing. You know, diversify not only in different sectors, but also different buffered strategies or having some of these fixed indexed or fixed uh accounts in your portfolio so you can at least make something on your money while we weather the storms i i don't think that the world's coming to an end as i've said it but i i don't i'm not quite sure that we've hit the bottom yet so for those investing for the long term there's going to be some good buying opportunities as long as you can you know stomach the ebbs and flows of the market as always thanks for listening to denny archachi show and uh, make it a great day, and I hope to get back with you soon. Thanks.